0: Thanks, Samantha. We rejoice this week at seeing uh, two people who put their trust in Jesus for the first time, receive the gift of eternal life, and we sang about it this morning. A dead man walked out of the grave, and when that man, who is alive forever, moves into someone's life, dead people come to life. They put their trust in him, and they received the free gift of eternal life. And we rejoice at seeing two people make professions of faith this week. That's worth thanking God for. So let's spend just a few minutes in prayer. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all we thank you. Father, that you have loved us with an everlasting love. And that Jesus, you have given yourself completely for us. You took on death, you conquered sin and evil, and you guarantee eternal life to all who put their trust in you. Thank you. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've moved into your church, that you give us the desire and the power to follow Jesus. Help us. Father, we thank you for lives being changed by the gospel and pray that you would continue to work in your church, We thank you for small group leaders who serve, who open their lives and their homes to people, to care for your people, to make disciples, Lord, to help others experience the gospel transformation that you promise in your word. Lord, we pray, raise up more leaders and connect us more and more into a biblical community so that we might honor and glorify you in this part of our county. Father... We ask as we open your word this morning that you would help the one who teaches my sins are many and help all who hear to see Jesus and in seeing him to be changed by him. We pray through Christ. Amen. I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles to 1st Peter. This is the first in our series through the book of 1st and 2nd Peter. I'm going to read just the first two verses of 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who were chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ, and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. This is God's word. When I was, uh, when, when my daughter, Madeline, was younger, we, we had a little game. And I would tell Madeline, Madeline, you're so amazing. If all the little girls in all the world were lined up and I could choose only one, I'd choose you. My son was in sixth grade, and he tried out for the basketball team at Gamble Rogers Middle School, and he went to the tryouts day one, he went to the tryouts day two, and then it was the next morning, and all the players who were going to be selected were going to be printed out on a piece of paper and hanging outside the gym door, He was so nervous, he couldn't go to school. He couldn't bring himself to go and see if his name was going to be written on that piece of paper. But he he finally, he went. Now, we had already texted the coach and asked if he had made the team, so there was no pressure on us. But he made the team. Isn't it good to be chosen, to be picked? But, you know, they just had the NFL draft. I didn't hear my name called. I don't know what happened. I really thought this was gonna be the year. But we all have a longing in our heart that someone would choose to love us, who someone would set their affection on us and say, I love you. If everyone in the world was in front of me, I would choose you. We all have a, a desire in our heart to be picked, to be a part of the team. I want you to know, if you're in Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been chosen, you've been picked, you have a new identity, you're loved, accepted, forgiven, empowered, something incredible has happened for you, and Jesus Christ has done it all. Oh, there are truckloads and truckloads and truckloads of grace coming your way as we study this book of 1 Peter. We're going to look at this book week after week, and and we're going to discover in God's Word together the answers to some of the most important questions in life like, who am I? That's our identity. We're going to answer the question as we walk through this book of 1 Peter. We're going to answer the question where do I belong? Is there a community for me? Is there a place for me? We're going to answer the, the question why am I here? Is there a purpose to my life? We're going to answer the question is there any hope? You know anybody who could use some hope? It was a tough week in our county. It's a tough week for a lot of families who, who sent their kids off and wondered, Am I safe? Are they safe? What's coming to our community? It was a scary week. Is there any hope? Do you know anyone who could use some hope? I could use some hope. There is truckloads of hope coming our way as we look at this book of 1 Peter. But listen. We need to look to God's word. We need to look to the gospel. Because listen, if we look outside the Bible, we look outside the community, the church, then the answers that we get to the question of identity and purpose and community and hope are going to be very, very different. And we live in a world that is growing increasingly hostile to our faith in Jesus Christ you feel that? Do do you sense that that the world is becoming increasingly hostile to faith in Jesus Christ? I I sure do. But I'm so grateful to have the book of 1 Peter. Because Peter writes the book to a group of believers in Jesus who are increasingly living in a world that's hostile to their faith in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to learn from them how to live in a hostile culture confident of who we are, confident of why we're here, confident of where we belong, and confident of where we're going. Are you with me? Let's jump in. This morning, what we want to look at is this, our identity. You and I, we are chosen To obey Jesus Christ. We're chosen to obey Jesus Christ. Now, Peter writes this letter. The letter starts Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, what is an apostle? What's the difference between an apostle and a disciple? Well, every follower of Jesus is called to be a disciple. Were learners, were mathetes, is the Greek word, were learners from Jesus. But there was a select group of people who were given the unique office of apostle. Peter was one of those, he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was an eyewitness to Jesus' life from the moment of his baptism all the way through to his death and his resurrection and his ascension. He was an eyewitness. And he was gifted by God to serve as the foundation. Amongst all the apostles, they were gifted to serve as the foundation of the church. We read that in Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ himself, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And so, what is the church? The church is God's people, God's building, God's house, brought together with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone and the teaching of the apostles and prophets, Scripture being the foundation. Scripture, the teaching of the apostles, that's the place to go to find our answers to the important questions of life. So, listen, if you're here this morning, and you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus, I would encourage you to keep coming back, and keep hearing the gospel, and keep hearing Scripture, and keep looking to Jesus for the answers to the question, Who am I? Where do I belong? Why am I here? Where am I going? And if you find that the answers that Jesus Christ gives you to those questions are compelling and they fit with reality, then I would encourage you to become a follower of Jesus. And I believe you should. If you are a believer in Jesus, I hope you'll keep coming because we're going to look to the foundation of the apostles and prophets and you are going to be built up, strengthened in your faith. And we need to be strengthened in our faith if we're going to make it in a culture that's increasingly hostile. But listen, what I'm praying is that you will take what you learn from 1 Peter and you will be equipped to take the answers that Jesus Christ gives to identity and purpose and community and hope. You'll be equipped to take the answers to those fundamental questions and take them back to where you live, where you work, and where you play, and to share with others, you can do it. We're here to help. We're here to equip you through this series. We want to equip you to be able to share with others the answers to these questions as we look to the foundation of Scripture, the apostles and prophets. Now, Peter says he's writing to a group of people who reside as aliens, who reside as aliens. Now, if you were listening, you just heard me read in Ephesians 2 that we're not aliens. Then we turn to 1 Peter 1, and it says we are aliens. What? What's with that? Well, thanks for noticing, and thanks for asking. Here's the answer. At one time, you were aliens, aliens from God. Aliens from the promises of Scripture. Aliens from your true home. But now, now through the gospel, if you're a Christian, now through the gospel, you have been brought into your true home. But now that you are in Christ, living in your true home, now in the world, you are an alien. So you could choose. Would you like to be an alien to the world and at home with the Lord? Or would you like to be an alien to the Lord and at home in the world? I would like to be at home with the Lord, living in community with Jesus. I would like to be a part of his household. I would like to look to him for all the answers that I find. But here's the rub. Increasingly, If I'm at home with Jesus and the truth of Scripture, it's going to put me out of accord, out of relationship, out of community with the world. I'm going to feel like an alien. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity says this. He says, listen, if you find in your heart a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, then maybe because you were created for another world and I would just invite you to consider if you've been looking at everything in the world and you haven't found anything that can satisfy your heart not acclaim not possessions not recognition not relationships if you haven't found anything that can satisfy the deepest longings of your heart I'd encourage you to consider Jesus And when you put your trust in him, he will give you a home, a place of security, a new identity. And oh, you'll march out of step with the world, but you'll march in step with the only one who really matters, Jesus Christ. We're aliens. Peter goes on and he says, not only are we aliens, we're scattered. We're scattered. He writes to a group of people who are scattered throughout the Roman world, and scattered is a strange world. Sometimes we use the word scattered in a negative way. We say, that person is just so scatterbrained. But other times, we use the word scattered in a positive way, using the the word scattered as if, We were scattering seed. If you want grass to grow or crops to grow, the seed doesn't do any good in the barn. It has to be scattered out into the field. And that's the way it is with the church. Today, Good News Church is gathered. We're together. We're worshiping. We're making a big deal about Jesus. We're hearing God's word. But after this... Good News Church is going to be scattered, intentionally placed in the n- wisdom of God. He has placed you. He has scattered you. He has placed you in every neighborhood and business and school and gymnasium and team in this county. You're scattered for a reason. You're distributed for a reason God has put you uniquely and God put this church uniquely in the place that he wanted that church this church to be scattered throughout the known Roman world and he writes to them and I speak to you to equip you and encourage you and help you live lives that would please Jesus where you live and where you work and where you play all to the glory of God now, he goes on and he says that this group of people and you and I have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. And what I want you to learn this morning is this. You have been chosen to obey Jesus Christ you've been chosen to obey Jesus Christ you've been chosen what does that mean here's what it means it means that long before you ever knew God he knew you it means that long before you ever loved God he loved you it means that long before you ever took a step towards God he took a step towards you To be chosen means that God has set his affection upon you before the foundation of the world, and God saved you. Because every single person whom God chooses, he saves. God the Father. God saves sinners, and so God the Father chooses a people for God the Son, and God the Son, Jesus Christ, redeems sinners, purchases sinners. How does he do it? He did it by shedding his blood on the cross. To be sprinkled by the blood is to experience forgiveness. And oh, so much more than forgiveness. To not only be forgiven, but God, the Holy Spirit now comes and he makes it possible for us to see our sin and to see Jesus and to turn from our sin and put our trust in Jesus. The empowering work of the Holy Spirit is what enables us to be saved, to turn from sin and trust in Christ. God saves sinners. God saves sinners. He does it all from beginning to end, choosing, purchasing, and applying that salvation, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working together. And what do we receive because of that? We receive salvation. And how is it described? It's described as grace and peace in fullest measure. Now, what would you rather have? Grace or ungrace? Would you rather keep working your head off to try and please God? That's ungrace. Or would you rather receive grace? Ill-deserved favor. The love of the Father set upon children who don't deserve his love. In fact, have punched him in the face. But he chose to punish his son in our place. Choose grace. Would you rather have peace or unpeace? Would you rather be insecure, wondering, "Is am I really accepted? Am I really loved? Am I really forgiven? Am I really empowered? Am I really in the church? Do I really belong? Would you rather have peace or unpeace? Choose peace. If God saves sinners and he's done it all from beginning to end, there's grace and peace available for you in fullest measure. You say, I don't feel it. Receive it. I don't understand it. Ask for help. When the gospel of Jesus Christ comes into a life, what does it produce? It produces grace. Oh, pressure's off. It produces peace. Oh, I can relax. I can let my gut out. I'm forgiven. I'm accepted. I'm loved. I'm a part of his forever family. I receive it all from Jesus Christ, my faithful Savior and Lord. Grace and peace. We're chosen. We're chosen to obey. We're chosen to obey Jesus Christ. To obey Jesus Christ through the sanctifying, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Now, when we speak of the Holy Spirit, it's important to understand two things. Number one, the person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit, in Scripture, is God the Spirit. He's a part of the Trinity. All three persons equal in power and glory, making up one unified God. There's one God who exists eternally in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When we speak of the Holy Spirit, we're saying that the Holy Spirit is God. What is his work? The second question, what is his work? His work is to make you and I holy. The Holy Spirit moves into the life of a believer and we said earlier already that the Holy Spirit is what enables us to see our sin and to see Jesus and to enable us to put our trust in Jesus, to turn from sin and trust Jesus. Then the Holy Spirit moves into our life and the Holy Spirit's job, his work, is to make us more and more like Jesus. He gives us the desire to be like Jesus, and he gives us the power to be like Jesus. He gives us a new desire and a new power. You see, many, many years ago, if you go back to the very beginning of the Bible, there was a story of Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve, when they turned away from God by choosing to do what they wanted to do instead of what God commanded them to do, They fell out of relationship with God, and they brought the entire cosmos into rebellion against God. And in order for us to be able to obey our sin nature, sinful me, sinful you, separated from Jesus, without the power of the Holy Spirit, I only have two problems with my obedience— I don't want to obey, and I can't obey. Other than that, I'm in good shape. My sinful nature doesn't want to obey Jesus. My sinful nature doesn't want, doesn't have the power to obey Jesus. But when the Holy Spirit moves in, the Holy Spirit gives me a new desire and a new power to obey. You've been chosen It's all of grace. It brings peace. But when the Holy Spirit comes in, He wants us to take on the family resemblance of our King, Jesus. He wants to give us a new desire and a new power to obey. The sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Now, How can you tell that it's the Holy Spirit? (laughs) Well, let me illustrate it this way. Let's say that I go to the store and I buy my wife, Sue Allen, a dozen roses. And I bring those roses home and I knock on the door. I don't have to knock. I can just walk in. It's my house. I come home. I walk in the door and I give these roses to my wife. She says, oh. They're beautiful. Why'd you do it? And I say, well, I had to. How's that going to go, ladies? Not so good. You can tell that it's the work of the Holy Spirit because there's a new affection. There's a new Love. There's a new willingness to be lavish in our obedience. There's a new freedom. When I come home with those flowers and I give them to Sue Ellen and she says, why? And I say, because I love you, because I love you, because I love you. That's closer to what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in us. Do I have to obey Jesus? It's the wrong question. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit who Jesus is. It doesn't fit who you are. But when the Holy Spirit moves in, the holy making, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit is to change it all, to change our affections, to change our desires, to change our wills, to change our power to give us a new operating system from which we're able to obey the sanctifying work of the holy spirit so you're chosen grace and peace to you to obey jesus christ in your own strength no way you don't have any in the strength and power that the holy spirit will produce in your life Now, how do we get a hold of this? How do we get this into our life? Well, I want you to set a new intention this week. I want you to have the intention this week of following Jesus into the beautiful life. Of following Jesus into the beautiful life. So where does that start? It starts when we understand that Jesus is Savior, that Jesus is Savior. That's the first step. I see my sin. I see my Savior. I see Jesus Christ on the cross shedding his blood so that I could have my sins washed away. And I'm filled with wide-eyed wonder at the work of Jesus Christ on my behalf. I see jesus for who he really is fully god and fully man fully satisfying the debt that i owe to god and i run to jesus to receive forgiveness and all my sin past present and future is washed away through that one great work of jesus on the cross and i say yes to following jesus as savior have you done that Every day I wake up and I need a Savior. Because every day I forget. I forget that Jesus is Savior. And I think I have to save myself. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I think, man, I've got to run around doing everything for everyone. And then I remember, no, Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus has it all figured out. I look to Jesus and I say with Peter, Lord, save me. You remember he cried out as he was sinking in the water? He cried out, Lord, save me. And he did. And now, all these years later, Peter's still crying out as he writes this letter to the churches. Lord, save me. You wake up every day, Lord, save me, your Savior. But Jesus is not only Savior, Jesus is also my righteousness. Jesus is my righteousness. Jesus lived a perfect life for me, and he credits me with his perfect record of righteousness. Let me ask you a question if God were to look down from His throne room right now and and His eyes were to catch yours, what expression would be on His face? Oh, dear people, if you're in Christ, then the expression on God's face as His eyes meet your eyes, Is the same expression that he would have on his face as he looks on the beautiful perfection of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is my righteousness. And so in John chapter 10, verse 4, we're told that Jesus Christ is the end of the struggle for righteousness. To everyone who believes, Jesus is the end of the struggle. So when I wake up in the morning, I have a savior who's firmly planted in heaven as my defense and I have a righteousness. I have a right standing with God. It can't be taken away. Nothing I've ever done in the past can change God's affection for me because of Jesus and nothing I do today or tomorrow or the next day can change God's affection for me because of Jesus. His righteousness has been credited to my account. How are we going to stand out in a world that's increasingly hostile to our faith? Because we have a Savior in heaven and we have a righteousness from Him that's been credited to our account so we're secure. in Jesus... Is my Savior. He's my righteousness. He is my model for life and ministry. Jesus Christ shows me how to live the beautiful life and He gives me His Holy Spirit to give me a new desire and a new power to be able to follow Him. Welcome to St. Augustine. It's not safe to walk on the streets at night. Lock your doors because people break in to steal and rob. Sometimes people are murdered in our community. Be careful in the marketplace because people lie and cheat and steal. Welcome to St. Augustine. It's a great place to live. But what if, what if there were a group of people Who gathered on Sunday to open God's Word and they looked to Jesus as Savior and they were guaranteed access to him because of the righteousness of Jesus. And then they followed Jesus in the way of life and ministry that he has modeled for us. Welcome to St. Augustine. It's a great place to live. Don't worry about locking your doors. No one's going to break in and steal. You're safe to walk the streets at night. There's no mobs of murderers running through our town. Oh, when you go into the marketplace, present all that you have. And don't worry, no one's going to cheat you. No one's going to lie to you. No one's going to steal from you. Welcome to St. Augustine. How do we get there? By realizing that we're chosen to obey Jesus Christ. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, looking to Jesus Christ to give us the desire and the power to follow His model of life and ministry. Will you join me? Will you join me as we study this book of 1 Peter together? Keep coming back. Keep coming back. Keep coming back as we learn who we are why we're here, where we belong, and where we're going. And then we'll stand out as aliens for all the right reasons. Let's pray. Jesus, you alone are Savior. You alone give righteousness. You alone show us that through your sprinkled blood, our hearts, our consciences, our lives can be washed clean. Oh, Jesus. If there's any here who who have never put their trust in you, would you work now by your Holy Spirit Help them to see their sin. Help them to see you as Savior. To turn from their sin and trust in you for eternal life as you're offered to them in the gospel. And if your sense this morning is is that's what the Holy Spirit's doing in your heart right now, then, then won't you simply say to Jesus right where you're sitting, Jesus, I admit I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead. Forgive me all my sin. I receive you as Savior. I turn from my sin and and I trust you as Lord. From this day forward, if you'd help me, I want to become the person you made me to become. Jesus, I look at my own life and there's so many things that I I still wish the Holy Spirit would, would help me overcome. And that's true of everyone here. So Holy Spirit, would you speak now? Speak now to your people. Show each one here watching online. Show us where you want us to follow Jesus into the beautiful life. no jesus would would every heart be captured by your love amazed by your grace filled with your peace for i pray in your name amen